Um, I want to ask you a question. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, how up to date do you think you are? How with it are you? <laughs> You're thinking, what is he talking about this? You know, he's, 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 yeah, okay. Um, you know, we're in this series of messages called, How Did I Get Here? And we're talking about these seven things on the bottom about, uh, they, they just kind of creep into our lives. This is our summer topical uh, seven-week uh, uh, sermon series. And these seven things, they kind of sneak in sometimes. We just kind of build up in our lives. We're kind of not paying attention. And then one day we wake up and go, man, I really am a cynic, or I really have compromised things, or I really have isolated myself. And today we're looking at, man, I've become somewhat irrelevant in the community and in the relationships that I have. And uh, if we do want influence, if we do want to impact the world around us, uh, needless to say, we shouldn't be completely out of touch, right? There's nobody here that would say, yeah, I'm completely out of touch with things, right? Well, let's see. I'm going to give you a test, all right? This, this test is to see if you can identify acronyms commonly found in everyday texting. We're going to start easy. Number one. Everybody's got that one right, laughing out loud, right? This next, I knew this would be better with the, with the teens in here. That's great. Okay. The next one is rolling on the floor laughing, right? You've got that one. That's kind of, okay. The next one is easy. By the way, you're up to date, right? You got all this stuff. You use this stuff a lot, right? Next one is in my honest, sometimes we say humble opinion, but that's all right. Uh, the next one is thank you very much. Some of you are just so quick, you're just right off with them. The next one is really difficult. See you. It's out of order. I put this order. Oh, I typed it wrong. Oh, sorry. How out of touch can you be? What is this one? As a matter of fact, right? The next one is that's going on right now. Too fast for you? Okay. I always wonder why I got this one all the time. What does B3 mean? Blah, blah, blah. Now I know. And I learned this one, and this is a public service announcement to all of the parents in the room. What does this mean? Parent alert. Yeah. Okay. Parent alert. They're coming. They're watching what I'm texting. <clears throat> or better yet, this last one is parents are listening. All right. Did you pass the test? No. Okay. Neither did I. I also got to thinking, okay, how has the world changed in the last 15 years or so? And, you know, our vocabulary has changed dramatically. We've included words that 15 years ago we would have never thought or they would have had such different meaning if they had any meaning at all, such as this word. 
And so I've come up with these, I've come up with, I don't know, eight or ten words here, and I've come up with my own uh, definition from what we might have said 20 years ago. Um, I think this is something babies might say. Okay, next one. This is something, this is an Oklahoman shouting for joy, right? This is a, a green, uh, lush valley. The next one is, um, <laughs> yeah, someone needs to go to the dentist, obviously, right? Uh, I couldn't come up with one here, so I just said something you uh, call your overweight friend when you're mad at him. You guys don't think this is funny at all, do you? Oh, you do? Okay. Uh, the next one is uh, something criminals do, right? What's that one? Yeah, everybody says, and cheese. I, th I thought of it was somebody's uncle, right? Okay, the next one is, yeah, that's a misspelled Hawaiian dance, Right? only got three more. The next one, everybody knows, is a South American river. And then the next one is how birds communicate. And the last one is what your heart does when you're in love. <laughs> got through that. Needless to say, the world around us is changing all the time. Do you like change? You like all the changes going on in the world today? Or like some of the change? Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's this constant flow of new things and new ideas and new, even cultural patterns. And um, I want you to know the culture does not ask permission to change. It just always is, right? Um, many people resist change. I, I just, I don't like all the change. I don't want to change. I've got my little comfort zone. I don't care what the world is just moving on without me. I don't care. Or sometimes we actually change things we ought not change. And we're going to look at that today. Refusal to change, though, can be detrimental. I mean, how many of you have been shopping at Montgomery Wards this last week? <laughs> Some of you are going, I've never even heard of that company. Uh, I purchased a Kodak camera. Uh, who owns a Blackberry here today? Do not raise your hand. Okay. Um, or when was the last time you went to Blockbuster and rented a movie or bought a book at Borders? You see, refusal to change means bankruptcy for most companies. It means losing people to most churches. Or you just become the family member that everybody is rolling their eyes at. When I think about this whole idea of relevance or irrelevance, and uh, I, I often uh, think about this, is the church relevant today that people want to hear what we have to say? I think Love Georgetown is a great way to continue to impact our community by letting them know that the church is relevant. The church is a player in the community. We're not just holed up in our separate buildings, but we really want to influence. We want to have influence in our community. That's why this kind of bothers me. In a recent survey of the Pew Center, uh, they found that those who identify as having no religious affiliation, 
No even belief system has grown from 16 to 23% over the last 10 years. 23%, almost a quarter of the people that live in America say, I don't even want to, under, I don't even want to answer the question. I have no belief system. During the same time frame, those who say they're Christians fell 7%. In fact, the survey went so far as to identify that there's no major Christian tradition or denomination that is currently growing in the United States. And one thing that should alarm us is that 22% of the population of America is between the ages of 18 and 29 in that 10 years, 11-year span. 22%, one-fifth. They make up less than 10% of those attending churches today. Needless to say, there's this trend that is basically shouting to the church, look what's happening. And as a pastor, I want you to know that I find the trends alarming, but you know what I find it even more than alarming? I find it absolutely confusing. I find it, how can this be? And the reason is, is because I am fully, completely convinced that the Lord Jesus Christ is absolutely amazing. <laughs> I am completely convinced that Jesus is so amazing that when you understand His love, His work on the cross, the transformation He works in your life, It is illogical to look at that and go, no thanks. Jesus is the only source of real security that people have. It's the real only hope there is in the world. And uh, you can't duplicate, replicate, find it anywhere else in the culture. Jesus stands alone as the answer to the search so many people are on. So for me, anybody that is rejecting Jesus... It's not only a, just a bad choice, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know what you mean by, I'm just a bad choice, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> what? <laughs> I put on Do Not Disturb, I want you to know. Gosh, that's never happened. <laughs> that was not planned. Man. Gosh. Where was I? Okay, if people aren't choosing him, there's got to be a reason. There's got to be a reason. Maybe there's something about the way that uh, we teach, the way that we organize, the way we minister. Maybe there's something that... This whole reality of the life transformating Jesus and what he can do and the love and the hope and the security that he provides is maybe it's just not getting through somehow. And what do we need to do so that it is getting through? Thinking about this, the scripture I want us to look at today is found in 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. 1 Corinthians, if you've ever read through the whole book, it's quite a story. It's quite a book. Uh, Paul is addressing any number of things in the church. Um, you know, sometimes it's nice to know that there was problems in the church way back in the first century. <laughs> there was lots of problems in this church. If you, if you read through it, you'll see that there was a lot of people fighting in the church. There was 
sexual immorality. There was, there was some church members were suing other church members. They were confused about what marriage was, and uh, there was a lack of order in the way they worshiped. They misused their spiritual gifts. The list goes on and on and on in 1 Corinthians. And in chapter 9, uh, Paul, after seeing all of this and addressing many of those uh, subjects already, he gets to chapter 9 and he says, I, want to, I just want to lay it down for you, what's kind of really important about my ministry and uh, what I think the church and what we're all about. Because he sees all these divisions. They were ethical, uh, di- ethnic divisions. They were generational. They were historical. They were social. Some even theological. And people fighting. The 19th verse of the ninth chapter, 1 Corinthians. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all so that I may win more. To the Jews I became as a Jew so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law. Gentiles, as without law, be like them. And though not being without the law of God, but under the law of God, I wasn't like them. But So that I might win those who are without law. To those who are weak, to the weak, I became weak. That I might win the weak. I become all things to all men so that I may by all means save some. I do all things. I think it's important for the church to understand that little phrase. There's nothing outside of what he's about to say. I do everything, all things, for one reason. It's for the sake of the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, so that I may become a fellow partaker of it, the good news in my own life. And you look through there and you see there, uh, Paul, there's a few th- things where he says, I'm going to lay that aside. I'm going to even compromise. Uh, I'm not going to come in and enforce and I'm going to put that aside and I'm going to connect, even though I don't believe the same as that person or we have divisions or these people think I shouldn't bring the gospel to these people. And there's only one thing on my mind and that's how can I bring these people to Christ How can I bring these people to Christ? How can I expose Christ, the real risen Jesus, to them? And I think sometimes the church needs this. We need to know what you should and should not compromise. And not just the church. I think you need to know that in your own life. What is it that you are willing to put aside, a personal preference, something that you just say, I'm just going to lay this over here because... This person is more important than the thing or the issue. And I want them to know Christ, and I want them to grow in Christ, and I want them to have spiritual transformation. In verse 19, Paul says he's made himself this great apostle, a slave, so that others would come to know Christ. In verse 22, he says he has become all things to all men, so that some may be saved. Verse 23 I do all things for the sake of the gospel. I hope you see the recurring theme. He's willing to set aside when it comes to traditions, differences, the way it was in the past, 
Even the power, the class structures, social norms even. Because Jesus is too important. And I'm convinced that a God-honoring church is a church that puts Jesus at the center of who it is. That lifts up the name of Jesus, makes Him the center of everything that they do. And they are completely free from everything else. (laughs) Everything. They praise Jesus. They don't praise people. They share Jesus. They pray Jesus. They live Jesus. Everything else? Let's talk about it. Does it help us with the primary mission of helping each other know Jesus and helping the world around us know the real Jesus? Does it help us do that? Let's do it. Are there some things that just really don't matter and it might help us if we change this because more people, we might be able to get our life of Jesus into more people if we would just make this different change. And oftentimes I think, how willing are we, myself, the church, to change if it means more people can know Jesus? I'm going to challenge you right now a little bit, challenge your thinking. Are you okay with that? Did you know that there are people, lots of people, who participate in churches and do it all on their computer, online. They get in front of their computer on, I'm not advocating this, by the way. Uh, They get in front of their computer on Sunday morning in their PJs probably, right? And they worship and they listen to the sermon without leaving their home. They even click on the giving tab and they make their contribution Uh, during the week, there's a lot of churches now that offer online connect groups. And you go to a connect group and you see the different pictures of all the people in your connect group on your screen and you interface with them, you laugh together, you fellowship together. Uh, You have to get your own snacks, but that's okay. (laughs) So what do you think? While you're thinking about that, let me give you a few statistics. In the last 30 days, our church website, Grace Bible Church, Georgetown, Texas, has had 3,251 visitors. Did you also know in the last 30 days, our church website has had 269 sermons either listened to or watched? 269 in 30 days, online. So far in the month of July, 39.8%, let's round it to 40%, of the contributions given in regular non-designated giving have come how? Online. Now, couple that with this whole one motive, this one mission, and it's Jesus. And did you know that there are some people who are only willing to listen to our message about Him initially, perhaps, online, 
ought we not facilitate the message of Jesus if that will reach them? We have no idea what God may do. It may be a stepping stone. It may be a first step that if the church doesn't provide a first step of engagement, that they'll never find their way in here. They want to kind of see what it's like first. And uh, it may lead eventually to faith in Christ, a life change transformation. Or could we put up the roadblocks and say, don't like it, it's not the way it ought to be, and we're not going to do it. If people want to know Jesus, they have to know him here. (laughs) If they want to give to the ministry, they have to find our offering boxes. (laughs) We don't even pass the plate here. I guess that's kind of different. Do we know what we should and should not compromise? Obviously, there's a flip side to this, and I'm confronted with this, and you probably are all the time. And that is the compromises that are made that ought not be made. Compromises about Him, the gospel. In order to kind of portray this warm, fuzzy, friendly, user-friendly kind of feel-good gospel that might play better, and so we're going to kind of tweak it and change it and not talk about certain things and highlight other things so that the culture will like it more. I was reading an article this past week about a well-known ministry in our, in our nation, and uh, I'd kind of become a little bit troubled about it, and uh, they had a they had a, a a document that you could read about evan- their their evangelism procedure and method, and how they would train people in their ministry to evangelize. And uh, I kind of read through that, and I kept seeing this 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 word love. And we don't get me wrong, love is primary to the Christian message. But then they would kind of just change it a little bit that love meant total acceptance of everybody and what they did and never trying to change anybody and uh, all about inclusion and tolerance and acceptance, buzzwords in the culture today. And um, a, a document by a leading Christian organization on evangelization didn't include the word cross anywhere. didn't include anything about the sacrifice of Christ on the cross and what that does to transform a person's life. And I'm here today to tell you what they're offering is not life transformation. Life transformation is only found at the cross where Jesus died and He shed His blood and paid the price so that our sins could be forgiven and the oldest could be removed and the new living Spirit of God could live in us. No other way to get that. No other way to see that accomplished except for the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And when we peddle something else, we're peddling a different gospel. 
That's why it's so important. Only this truth of Jesus can really give life to people. Can, only His truth can truly heal somebody. When I see somebody lost in sin and off in their ways, I just pray that they would understand how much Jesus loves them, how much He's done for them, how much He could do in them. And Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of what? The gospel, the good news. It's the only power of God for salvation, rescue, deliverance. And it's for everyone who believes. Jew first and also to the Greek or Gentile, you and me. I would also contend this, that Jesus always has been and always will be relevant. Jesus is relevant. <laughs> People have always been broken. People have always needed a Savior. People have always needed forgiveness. And what Paul here is saying in, pa in the passage in 1 Corinthians, I, I, I'm just willing to do what, whatever needs to be done to reach people with this life-changing gospel. And I think about what does that mean in, in the context of this, church culture today, church, modern America. How do we help the generation in which we steward God's grace in find Christ? How do we give them the good news of the gospel? Here's one idea. Lay aside your personal preferences. How's that? Y'all in agreement with that? I'm going to lay aside all of my personal preferences. A lot of what is going on in the Corinthian church was all about, I want this, and I want that, and I want this, and I want that. Well, you better not like that. I don't want that either. I'm on his side. I'm on his side. I was thinking, do we have any modern examples of this kind of thing in the church today? I racked my brain trying to think of something. I came up with music in the church. Some of you are going, oh, he's going to talk about that, right? Yeah, I am. You know, when I was a little kid, you know, when we, well, I go to church every week, and you know what we would do on Sunday morning? We held books in our hands when we sang, right? Anybody with me? Yeah, we held books, and the minister of music would call out numbers, and we would turn the pages, and we had to sing strong, standard, meaty hymns every Sunday morning. We always had a special number. Uh, uh, probably the best singer in the church, they would get up and they, there was always a special number, soloist. On Sunday night, yes, we went to church on Sunday night. The music was a little bit different. On Sunday night, you could have what was called gospel songs. We even had a little bit of southern gospel. I know. We have a Southern Gospel concert here a week from Saturday, by the way, okay? Probably the only one in Georgetown all year. Be here a week from Saturday night, all right? That was Sunday night, and we went to church on Wednesday night. And music on Wednesday night 
Man, you never could tell what you might find on Wednesday night. You, you could even sing songs that were written in the last 10 years on Wednesday night. You could. That was when I was a little kid. Then when I was in my teens, this is going to date me, but Bill Gaither became famous. And Bill Gaither had a, an, an influence in the church when it came to music. And some people thought, you know, we're, we're not going to have that kind of touchy-feely music in our church. And uh, slowly but surely, it began to be sung in the churches. And uh, first on Wednesday night, then it moved to Sunday night, then it moved into Sunday morning. And then we found somebody invented the overhead projector. Remember that? And we started a new ministry, Transparency Flippers, right? Do you remember those? Sometimes they were late, but uh, um, it was a way so that we no longer were holding books. We were uh, had our heads up and were looking at something, then we found projectors, and they became affordable, and uh, then we had contemporary praise and worship, as it's called today, and um, there was a lot of debate whether that should be used, and it slowly moved itself from Wednesday night to Sunday night to Sunday morning. And now I see a lot of songs being written, and what are they, how are they written? They're written in verses and choruses, just like the hymns were. And I think, maybe we just kind of come full circle in some ways. And I don't have to tell you, but at every change that took place in the, in the broad church, uh, it was difficult. Some churches struggled with it more than others. And uh, I always wonder if, 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 if I was a person on the outside and, and I was broken and I needed Jesus, and there was all of this going on, I just wonder, could I find Him? And maybe it's, maybe it's my age, but I ask myself this question over and over, and I, I challenge you to ask yourself this question do you want what God wants, or do you want what you want? And I have found in my life, maybe not in yours, but I found in my life sometimes those two things are different. <laughs> C.S. Lewis, great quote. He starts the quote by saying, there are only two kinds of people in the world. Now, maybe, maybe this, okay. Only two kinds of people in the world. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, all right then, have it your way. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean, depend on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him. He will make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away. From evil. What does it take to bring this person of Christ, this, this grace-filled Jesus who comes and just takes the, the hardest heart, the, the worst sinner, and can speak love into their life? 
What does it take for me to have that kind of influence in somebody's life? Is it by telling them how wrong they are? What Paul is saying in this passage is, I'm going to climb into their world. I'm going to be connecting with them. And we, if we're going to make that, we have to climb into their world. He says, to the weak, I'll become weak. If that will help them understand Christ, I'll do that. Because people change from the inside out. They don't change because some external command has come. Now, they may comply. And parents, you know this. You can get your kids to comply by the threat of consequence. But there's no internal change until there's some kind of expression of love and connection. And I'm on your team and I'm on your side. I challenge parents to climb into the world of your kids. Because it's a different world than yours. You know, for the past month or so, my son Travis and his family have been staying with us. They're selling their house in Houston and they're moving to the area. Yay, yay, yay. Uh, Travis and his wife, Erin, that's great. They're bringing their three kids. Yeah. So for this past month, we've had all of them in our house. And it's been great. But I do want you to know this. It has been an education for Grandpa. And I just want to share with you some of the things that I've learned this month. I've learned what Fortnite is. Does everybody know what Fortnite is? I'm not going to really take the time to explain it, partly because I can't. But at the same time, I was talking to my grandson, and he's playing this game. I says, what is this, Fortnite? He says, oh, is this some new game? He calls me Pops. This is when you know you're kind of behind. Everybody's playing it. Then I, I found out later that not only can you play it with other people in your room that hold their little thingies, um, but you can play it with people in other cities. Did you know that? Yeah, not only can you play it with people in other cities, but then I see my grandson, my oldest, my nine-year-old, he's wearing this headset. And I said, what are you doing? He says, I'm playing with my friend. Where's your friend? In Houston. And we're talking. So, Please. No, I just added that. He didn't say that. You know, something else I've learned this, this, this month is that uh, there is a difference between an Xbox 360 and an Xbox One. And now I've learned that they have something called Xbox X and Xbox One S. I think I said that right. But you know what I've learned about all of those Xboxes? None of them compared to a Sony PlayStation 4 Pro. <laughs> now, my, my grandkids aren't here today, but uh, so I'm going to tell you this. None of that matters a whole lot to me. Okay? I don't really 
want to be up on all of that, but who is up on all of that? My grandson. And I want influence in his life. And I want to connect with him. It's important to him. So I want to know. I want to climb into his world. And you think about it, it's what Jesus did, isn't it? <laughs> we call it the incarnation. He left his rightful place. And he just didn't send some edict about salvation or deliverance. He came. And he came as a baby in Bethlehem and he said, I will come and I'll wear skin and I'll be flesh and bone and I'll walk your streets and eat your food and uh, I'll die on a cross because I want you to know I, I'm for you and I'm with you and I love you and I'm accessible. The world around us is changing and it's changing at a faster pace than ever before. Folks, as it changes, it's Christ that we, He's the steady rudder. He's the steady that helps us navigate these waters so we're not pushed and pulled and we're mature in Him because of who He is in us and we're uncompromising of the gospel, but we are willing to have conversations about other things. So that we may win some. You may find yourself here today thinking about conversations you've had recently, and maybe it's positions you've fought hard for. Or you argued over something that you now realize, in the large scheme of things, that just doesn't, that doesn't really matter. When we're in heaven, we're going to think about this as silly. And Jesus centered people. They're always relevant to people around them because they, they love, they have their best interests at heart. And I want to help you understand that I have an answer for the brokenness and the struggle. People matter, not things, not ideas, not positions. People matter. It's who He came to rescue. It's who He came to change. It's who He came to love. Through us. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, as we think about this whole idea of irrelevance, and we, we see a rapidly, in many ways, decaying culture around us. We see a church that perhaps losing its influence in, in the culture at large and uh, continually being pushed to the margins. And uh, Father, I pray that in these days, as these lines are being drawn, that there will be more and more people so centered in the work and the message and the life of Jesus Christ that all the ancillary, peripheral things, all these things that uh, perhaps have been elevated to some kind of importance would be seen for what they are, and Jesus would emerge and be lifted up. 
Because, Lord, your word is true. It's always true. It's always been true. It's always relevant. And you have told us that where you're lifted up, you will draw all men to you, that there will be this Jesus-centered work of praise. There will be this Jesus draw that no feel-good message could ever deliver. The change that you will work in people's lives will be transformative, and they'll keep telling people about what you have done for them. So, Father, I pray for the truth of your word, the truth of your message, the power of the gospel. You are worthy. We pray. Amen. Let's stand together.